Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. Happy New Year! Thank you. And from there, I just want to make it clear, we have had a conversation with the uh, Centers for Disease Control. Whatever the bug that is going around our home right now, they have assured us, cannot be caught by listening to our podcast. Which is a good thing, because (laughs) I do not wish this bug on anyone. So far, the boy has stayed immune. Yeah, I I think that's probably going to change in a couple of days. Uh, He should be so lucky, but... I am telling you, there were some germy children on an airplane on New Year's Eve. You know, we ended up... uh, New Year's Eve in particular, we just ended up around a lot of screaming children. Screaming! Very much screaming. A lot of children, that's not a big deal. But every single one of those children was screaming... But yes, obviously, we are back from our holiday vacation. And I know at least one person was concerned because I know, I, I see this when, when this goes on. If we've missed a couple of weeks of shows, I start seeing the visits to the Facebook page start to go up. Like maybe they've posted <laughs> Where the hell some... are they? <laughs> Where did they go? Really and truly, it's just, just one person that's like, have they finally gone? Are they leaving permanently? <laughs> are we done with them? Well, you know... It, it does seem odd that we decided to go all the way to Florida just to taste apples. But we did. Sure enough, that's what we did. We did. It was an apple tasting extravaganza. 20 varieties of apples over two days. And we we taste tested the new Cosmic Crisp Apple. Yes. You have not heard about it. Um I don't know how you have missed their, their PR campaign. It's been fairly... Seriously, it's I mean, a marking extravaganza. Yeah. It was. It was actually. It was pretty good. The sweet tango apple. Apple was pretty good too. Um, There's a lot of a lot of uh, love for the sweet tango. Um, I'm still a honey crisp girl. I really am still a honey crisp girl. And I can say universally that the two thumbs down for apples definitively goes to the Lucy Glow. Don't get it. Just just don't do it. That would be Lucy Glow since you slurred the last word. Lucy Glow. G L O. Right. And it is a peach-colored apple. Like, the flesh is a color of it's peach. It's pink. It's a pinky peach color. It is naturally pink. Yes. Which it seemed interesting, and then we tasted it and went, um, I should mention that you made that noise. You have determined that it's thumbs down. I thought it was meh, but not as awful as you thought it was. The rest of the group thought it sucked. I don't care. I care about the way I felt about it. <laughs> and I will not have you speaking for me and my apple tasting. Anyway. Yes. So was there anything else that you wanted to highlight from our trip? Well, actually, I want to talk about a movie. Okay. Now, I get that... If you give any spoilers away to Rise of Skywalker, there is going to be a revolt. Okay, shouldn't everybody have already seen it? We've seen it. We did, if, but... Once we see it, the world should have seen it by then. Well, you, you know, in, in reality, though, this time we saw it within a week of its release. Usually it's like a couple of weeks later, so we saw it pretty quick. Well, we saw a lot of them recently within a week of their release. But, yes, we have now seen Rise of Skywalker. <clears throat> I am not going to discuss that movie because it has no Formula One tie-in whatsoever. However, while we were on the airplane, there was a movie with a Formula One tie-in in 
the entertainment section of the United app. The Art of Racing in the Rain. Yeah. Now, the guy that plays the lead is also Jack Pearson from This Is Us. So this guy's got like a star thing going on right now. Yeah. And he was interviewed on one of the Sky things because he was at an F1 race mm-hmm. as part of his method research for this movie. It wasn't part of his method research. It was part of the promotion around the movie. Okay, you don't okay. do method research a week before the movie opens. Okay, possible. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, he went to an F1 race. So I wanted to see this movie because it was F1 tie-in. I didn't know it was going to be completely narrated by a dog. Which was weird. I, I knew a dog had a role in it somehow, which is why I, I pretty much dismissed it at that point. Of no good racing movie has a dog is going to star a dog. This one did, um, and <clears throat> I should mention I did not say this was a good racing movie, but um, they showed. <laughs> there was your warning. Right there was there. the warning. <laughs> there was a dog. Um, now, I will tell you that there is some epically interesting old footage late 80s era footage of f1 races and the without any spoilers the guy that adopted said dog that narrates the whole story is a race driver and his dream is to drive in formula one and they watch the races together and there's this old old footage late 80s and in every single scene with this old footage on the bottom left hand corner of the screen is the brand spanking new F1 logo. Oh. Like, I get that's where you got the the footage from, was you got it from F1, but they couldn't have yeah. rolled back the logo. Did, did F1 really need to watermark the footage they provided? They did. And they did it with the modern, the speed force logo that is the current F1 logo that I dislike. I mean, it's not even the Shadowed One logo. Yeah. It's not that one. It's the one that wow. looks like tire tracks. Actually, you know, what really caught my eye, and listening to this, or caught my ear, I should say, is the fact that you just expressed interest in old Formula One footage. Yes. Because we watched, a couple of years ago, we watched highlights from a couple of seasons and it was it included you know lewis the the race in brazil in in 2008 that or 2007 no 2008 Mm -hmm. when lewis won the championship and it included nigel mansell's win in silverstone and a couple of these other ones and you and a boy were both university like this is boring no well, int- there's no context here yeah the, these are supposed to be great but whatever this is boring well okay the no context was problematic and i will tell you that in the movie it was you know you saw it he was watching tv and watching these shows so you have a little bit of a story around what's going on okay uh, they do mention at one point that they sit down to watch it and they describe what particular race it was happening in 1989 which i thought was kind of amusing the thing is, when we watch the old footage, the only thing I cannot see past is how bad the footage is. It's the old lettering, the scrolling lettering across the screen. And this is like 80s era TV. Yeah. And yeah, I get they didn't have ultra high def and don't like nobody write in that. I don't know that they didn't have high def television back then. I get that. But if you think about what was going on in like football, 
they were not using the same typefaces that the 70s used. I mean, it was it's that type of stuff that was like the bugs on the screen and stuff is so dated. But if you listen to Murray Walker talk about his career in commentating on Formula One with the BBC, that really only got started in the 70s to begin with. And even there, they weren't really in a rush to innovate with broadcasting. And Bernie didn't encourage it either. Right, because, you know, he wanted people at the track spending $5,000 to go sit in the paddock club and only see one corner. Because also, if I remember correctly, it was... 2010 or 2011 was the year the onboard cameras went high debt. I mean, just thinking terms of where can I mean, in the United States, in the late 90s, somewhere between 96 to 98, hockey coverage included the glowing puck. Yeah, and, and they couldn't put high def cameras on onboard footage for another ten years. They pushed hard against it. Yeah, they pushed really hard against it. I mean, that's what <clears throat> I mean. We were seeing advertising superimposed on fields, on walls, on uh, in baseball, in football, and all of that by the late nineties. We had gotten that yeah. kind of level of coverage. And Formula One still had teleprompter-esque scrolling titles. So then you're telling me that I should not renew the F1 TV Pro subscription so that while we're waiting for Formula One to start, we shouldn't watch, you know, 14 races of the 1985 season. That sounds like a glorious nap to me. (laughs) I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, if you want to pluck a race or two out... Murray Walker and James Hunt commentating. Oh, I could listen and to James that's Hunt. That's always entertaining. James Hunt getting drunk. That would be fun. Calling somebody a total idiot. Uh, also fun. Also fun. Um, I don't know if you need to renew it or not. I'm not going to commentate because we have a thousand other things to watch these days, including, you know, learning how to make the ultimate grilled cheese sandwich from Alton Brown. Okay. Now... I am going to tell you that The Art of Racing in the Rain is not a great movie and is not a... Because it was a racing movie that started Dog. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and it does not get the bloke in the bird stamp of approval. However, his dream was to work in Formula One and he actually wound up on the red team with Ferrari. And you have described... So you have described that this show, with very few exceptions, is the Ferrari show. So that is the connection. But we're not yet going to talk about Ferrari. No. I was giving you a whole lead-in and everything. I, you were, but actually, um, there was uh, a very big loss in the motoring world last month while we were busy not recording. <laughs> Best way to put it. Um Former IndyCar driver and safety pioneer Bill Simpson died uh, middle of December at age 79 of a stroke. So if you don't know who Bill Simpson is, first and off, I didn't. you've probably seen him. So I think it was 10 years ago or so. Mazda at one point was doing a commercial about 
um, people who were pushing boundaries and being revolutionary. And Bill Simpson was one of the commercials, was featured in one of the commercials. They lit him on fire in the commercial. Oh. That that was a Bill Simpson special. So the, the whole reason for it is... Bill Simpson uh, was working with NASA on, besides being a racing or a racing driver, um, he was working with NASA on safety systems and helped develop Nomex. Nomex is the fire retardant material that now all the race suits and the pilots and and everybody wears to protect from being burned. Mm -hmm. The way Bill Simpson used to go and demonstrate that Nomex worked was he'd light himself on fire wearing a Nomex suit. Oh, well, that's a, a commitment. Yeah. Now, there was a, a racer, he died on the racetrack, and you'll know his name if I could recall it. It's, um, But we watched a show that actually had him putting on his Nomex suit. A French driver. Straight nose, that's what I can tell you. But he died like a couple of races later. He was disqualified in one race because he had the wrong underwear on. Oh, that wasn't somebody who died. That was the Formula E drivers that had that. John Eric Vern got disqualified and a couple other folks. Oh, well, that for was his For not wearing the Nomex underwear. underwear that they were supposed to wear. That was that one. But this guy, like, there was a video of him putting on his suit. Um, and we watched it. And I don't know why we were watching him put on his Nomex underwear, but it was very funny. Um, but you'll know him. I'm going to have to go through the book of everything. Was it this, no, it wasn't somebody who died this year. No, no. This was in the 70s. It's one <clears throat> of the last guys that died. Um, okay. So French guy. Burger, what, maybe? Hmm? Burger? No. Gerhard Burger? No, I no. think he's still alive. No. Anyway, um, Nomex uh, really became big. 1967, when 30 of the 33 starters wore Nomex fire suits for protection. Wow. Um, he also is the one responsible for the safety parachute to slow down top fuel dragsters. Oh. Yes. Um, NASCAR has crumple zones on their cars because of Don Simpson. Um, he, he was the one who figured out that it was the failure of a seatbelt during Dale Earnhardt's crash that killed him. Oh. Yeah. Um, He's also, he was um, entered into the Motorsports Hall of Fame in 2003 and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame in 2014. And he developed lighter and stronger helmets for football players um, to help address the concussion concerns. Um, Between 68 and 77, uh, or Bill Simpson made a total of 52 IndyCar starts with a best finish of sixth place at Milwaukee in 1970. Interesting. You know, 2019 is going to go down in history as a year of legend racing people's deaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, we started the year with um, Charlie Whiting. We lost Nikki Lauda. Yep. We lost... The Nomex guy. Bill Simpson. Yeah, you also called him Don Simpson. I did. I I meant Bill. I I realized that (coughs) as soon as I did it. It's the plague. It is. It just messes with your brain. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of problems. But again, you cannot catch it 
from listening to the podcast. So you're good. Keep listening. We're cool. Wash your hands. Okay. <laughs> so over to Formula One. So have you noticed that um, since uh, Bernie Eccleston sold Formula One off to Liberty Media, that they haven't signed any new big sponsors? Did you happen to notice that? No, I hadn't noticed that. I was too busy noticing that we had crappy coverage. <laughs> well, guess what? They haven't signed any new sponsors, and uh, Chase Carey says it's a bit harder than they expected it to be. He thought that everybody in the world would come running with piles of money, dump trucks of money. Dump trucks full of money would just come backing up to the loading dock. Here you go. Now, there's a rumor that maybe there is a big brand that is coming, but they have failed to sign anybody new outside of the global partners that Bernie Eccleston had already brought them. Wow. Maybe that's why uh, Troll Burning has been showing up at the track, is that they're going to need him to sign new partnerships. They're going to enlist him in his role that's not a role. No, he's showing up at the track because he's bored. So what what Chase says is that um, they've had to start from ground zero in terms of having to build sponsor interest. Uh, But he says that F1 has never been busier in this regard despite the process being slower and harder than I would have planned. Interesting. He says, our cupboard was pretty bare because we didn't really have a sponsor group. We hadn't created any tools. We hadn't created capabilities to tell the story of F1 to create some excitement. We have some momentum today. We've had attendance up. We've had viewership up. We've got a good story. We've got new dimensions to the sport. And I think you need to tell that story and you need to develop the tools. Sponsors want partnerships that are more tailored uniquely to them. In the past, signs on a wall worked fine, but that doesn't work now. So we had to develop the area of initiatives, whether it's digital initiatives, regional feeds, virtual ads, fan festivals, and all those types of opportunities to create tailored, targeted opportunities. You tell me how they have managed to get any marketing, anything out of that debacle of a fan festival in Chicago. (laughs) (coughs) You know... On one hand, all publicity, even bad publicity, is good publicity. Hey, Formula One fans, let's go down to Soldier Soldier Field and watch not a Formula One driver (laughs) stall out old Formula One cars. Hey, but the tow truck driver was a king among men. And hey, look, there's Mitch Trubisky riding in a car. (laughs) Woohoo! So, according to Chase, he says, the traction with interested sponsors has been on a steady rise. We've never been busier. I've got a three-page back list of sponsors we're engaged with. Obviously, until the sponsors are signed, deals aren't done. Certainly, I'd say we feel we have gotten progressively better as we've gone along. You know, if he went to Shark Tank with that pitch, they'd throw him out on his ear. Well, Well, we're talking to folks. Yeah, but nobody's bought anything. So you don't have a proven track record. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. The dump trucks of money have not shown up. I'm not sure what to make of this next one. I'm a little concerned, but there hasn't been a lot of talk as to truly what it means. And maybe we need to have Claire tell us what's going on here. So word came out last month that Williams Formula One has agreed to sell a majority stake in their sister company, 
Williams Advanced Engineering. So if you're not familiar with what Williams Advanced Engineering does, we've got Williams Formula One obviously is the Formula One team, but Williams Advanced Engineering takes all of the developments, the, the technical the technologies that are developed for the Formula One team and looks for other ways to apply them. So one of the things that got a lot of notice, and we don't have it here in the U.S., but in the U.K., they used some form of, or, or some understanding of aerodynamics in refrigerator cases in the supermarkets so that they don't have curtains or anything like that to hold in the cool air but because of the way they're directing the forced air around it, they managed to retain that air inside the case without needing doors. That is so wild. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that is credited to advanced engineering is um, there is a baby carrier that the first aid services over in Europe use um, if they need to transport an infant. Oh, okay using the, the crash technology that Williams developed. I also think that it, Williams Advanced Engineering is the one that does um, the power control units for the Formula E cars, um, some of the spec engine parts that various series use. Mm -hmm. So there is some good revenue generation that comes from Williams Advanced Engineering. So I'm not really sure why they decided to do this especially when you look at the state of the formula one team and it kind of makes me concerned that they're in trouble that they're shedding off a money-making part of the business well you don't know if <clears throat> i mean all they did was sell a majority share you don't know who they sold it to do you i do they sold it to emk capital which is um, a equity firm, independent private equity firm. Okay. Um, they are retaining a minority interest in it, so they'll get some money. Yeah, like I said, Williams Advanced Engineering was the sole battery supplier for Formula E from its first season in 2014 until season four in 2018. Interesting. So I, I don't know. Um, now that it's the new year, would you believe that we are rapidly, we are just over a month away from the start of winter testing. Isn't that for awesome? For the 2020 season. Isn't that awesome? It is. And Helmut Marco talking to the Red Bull owned service TV network. Okay. Because of course he is. Of course, Red Bull owns a TV network. They're just a drinks manufacturer. <laughs> yeah. Um, Helmet Marco says that they are 14 days ahead of their normal schedule for development and release of the Red Bull car for 2020. Nice. He also goes on to say that they're going into the new year better than ever with a great concept and they finally have to deliver. They have no excuses. They have to do a championship run this year. And Max to. Verstappen says that he thinks the tools are there. That finally, and, and Honda says that, you know, they're, they're no longer trying to fix the problems of their original development. They're now building. Okay. So we'll see. I don't know. We will see. That said, it is not 
Toro, or, or it's not currently Red Bull who will be releasing the car first, or who has announced the date of when their their 2020 car will be unveiled, Alpha Tori. So, those of you who are going Alpha, what? That would be the former Toro Rosso team. Alpha Tori is the Red Bull clothing brand. Yes. TV station clothing brand drinks. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, apparently. And this should not be confused with the Alfa Romeo team. Correct. That used to be Sauber. We're going to wind up on the grid with XX Team, formerly known as... Speaking of which, um, there was word from Frederick Vasseur, I guess general end of season following up, since you brought up the Alfa Romeo piece. Um, Frederick Vasseur went to Peter Sauber and got before anything was discussed with the name, got Peter's permission to change the name of the team. Oh, that was really sweet of him. I should hope so, since it was his name. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that that's very, very nice of him. I have to pause really quickly, okay. because it has dawned on me how Formula One has screwed up their marketing plan. Uh-oh. I mean, I, this, is, this is epic. We have 21 races in this year, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. They had the opportunity to do 20 in 2020. True. I mean, seriously, this stuff writes itself. (laughs) But no, they had to have 21 races. Yeah, well. Anyway, Alpha Tori. Yes. Um, They have announced the date for their launch of their 2020 car. It will be the evening of Friday, February 14th at Red Bull's Hangar 7 base in Salzburg. Okay. Um, what else do you do on Valentine's evening? Uh, yeah. Dinner? <laughs> we <laughs> don't. <laughs> obviously, Danny Kvyat will not be taking his wife out to dinner the evening of the 14th because he will be doing press events. See? They have screwed up Valentine's Day. So when any of their drivers... Or mechanics break up this year, they can blame it on the release of the car. By the way, this is the first time that the Red Bull Hangar 7 base has been used for an F1 car launch. Okay. I know, everyone's going, Nobody's going, No, Nobody cared. Nobody even cared that it was on Valentine's Day. Now, that said, Ferrari's car, as of right now, looks to be the first one that will be launched. As of right now. So Ferrari says that they are launching their car on February 11th. See, safely before the Valentine's Day critical evening. Yeah. They have their priorities in place. We'll see. (laughs) Are they going to have a better car than last year? We'll see. Now that said, Mattia Bonotto says that Ferrari has proven that their 2019 engine was legal. They were breaking no rules. And it would have been discovered at the very first check. They weren't breaking any rules. It was a legal engine. Okay. If he says so. But oh, by the way, they're planning a major engine overhaul for 2020. I wonder why. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Any idea why? All that they will say, all that Mattia will say, is that they've changed quite a lot in the power unit in terms of architecture and the cylinders. 
It's quite a big review to show that here again, there is much that can be done. The change we're looking at for next year is quite significant changes on the engine itself. And that's all he'll say. He's also saying that, again, they're changing the concept. <clears throat> Aerodynamically, they're putting more downforce on the car. Because as you recall, where they started last season, they thought it was a good idea to take downforce off the car to get faster straight line speed. Right. And then everybody ate there for lunch in all the corners. Mm-hmm. So now they're talking that they're going to put downforce back on the car for this year. Now, what was the error that Williams made a few years ago with the downforce? Did they go low downforce and screw it up in the corners, or did they go high downforce and screw it up in straight line speed? Well, and it, it, was, it was a compromise. So, so they, they expected this to happen. What, what Williams had done, and, and, and I think they, they, they did it for several years, is their compromise was they designed it as a low downforce car specifically for the faster tracks because the idea being that <coughs> they didn't have the resources to develop a full a well-rounded car so they they strengthened it as much as possible in one area knowing that they were going to go to places like monaco and get hammered got it okay <coughs> i only mention that because i do wonder sometimes if ferrari takes its cues from failed experiments Oh, I lost the gearworks. Something bad happened. Oh, what was that? Something broke. Understood, Kimmy, understood. Yeah. Okay, okay switch off, Kimmy, switch off. P0, Kimmy. Sorry for that, P0. 